Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. We're now one week away from week one of the NFL season. I'm Ryan O'Leary, host of the brand new Steelers Wire podcast powered by the USA Today Network. I'll be joined here each week to talk Pittsburgh Steelers football with Kurt Popejoy of the Steelers Wire. Kurt, I've been looking forward to this, my man. Thanks for joining me. Oh, I'm happy to do it. I've been looking forward to this, too. So later in the show, we'll have a little fantasy football segment brought to you by Corey Bonini of the Huddle and a sports betting segment by our guys over at the Sports Wire. But first, Kurt, uh, you know, we've got Big Ben back in the fold for Pittsburgh uh, at the youthful age of 38, right? We got James Conner, you know, the new featured back could be uh, uh, in line for some big things. Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe he's going to have that big breakout year we all thought he was going to have last year. And I think the defense could be one of football's very best. Um, but, I, you know, you're the expert here. What is the state of the Steelers in your eyes entering week one of the season? Well, I think that, that as we head into week one, obviously Ben Roethlisberger is the story. You know, with, uh, Pittsburgh made, went to 8-8, eight and eight, almost made the playoffs last year without Ben with some pretty terrible quarterback play, uh, to be honest. The defense carried the team, if not for three or four weeks there at the end of the season where the, the offense just crumbled completely. They probably make the playoffs last year. So I think that you have to be optimistic that assuming Ben's elbow, which he says he's actually been dealing with a tear from 13 years ago, um, and it just has gotten gradually worse, and then he had three tears last year. If, if we assume this is true and that he's better than he's ever been, you have to look at Pittsburgh as a as at least a playoff contender in the AFC. I mean, the AFC is so top heavy right now. I don't want to get too too ahead of myself as far as where they might fall. But um, you know, 2018, Roethlisberger threw for over 5,000 yards on that bad elbow. So um, I think there's a real good chance that, assuming he can play 16 games, the defense really didn't lose a whole lot in the off season. Javon Hargraves, the one guy that they really had to replace. They were the statistically first or second in almost every category last year. So I, I like their chances this year to, to be competitive right up until the end. Can they beat Baltimore and Kansas City in a playoff setting? I don't know. It's been a while since Pittsburgh's won a playoff game, so I'm, I'm not going to start thinking about that yet. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we're definitely going to talk about Big Ben here coming up a little bit later uh, in the show. But, you know, I wanted to ask you about this defense because, you know, I think they had to play well last year. They had no choice. You mentioned the quarterback play was uh, was was not good last year. And I want to talk a little bit more about the D. I know they're going to sack you. They're going to turn you over, I think, from a fantasy perspective, which we're going to hear from uh, more from the huddle here coming up. But they're ranked number one on almost every fantasy site you could find as far as like, you know, who's scooping up a defense for fantasy. Um, what do you what makes this unit the best in the best in football or one of the best in football in your estimation? I think it's their ability to rush the quarterback. I think when you have five guys on defense who can who can get after the quarterback it just, it just creates so much freedom on the back end. You know, Pittsburgh figured out in the last couple of years that the best way to build a good secondary is to go out and sign it, not to draft it. And they brought in Joe Hayden. They brought in Steven Nelson. They brought in Minka Fitzpatrick. But the T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, Bud Dupree, you know, those are the guys. Stephon Tuitt's back healthy this year. 
um, Devin Bush is in his second year. Those guys' ability to rush the passer under pretty much any circumstance, out-of-base defense, um, it just it creates so many problems for an opposing offense. They, they're they stout enough against the run. I think they're probably going to be a little bit better against the run this year than they were last year. I know statistically they did pretty well, but it was more about teams sort of not choosing to run the ball as much. The, the average carries per game was pretty low. I think teams probably didn't take advantage of that as much because Hargrave was a better pass rusher than run defender in the middle. Mark Barron was a better better coverage player than run defender. Now we've replaced them with um, Vince Williams and Tyson Aluoglu in the middle and Isaiah Bugs in his second year defensive tackle. I think they're going to be better against the run this year. And if, if you can make a team one-dimensional and force them to throw the football, you know that's where T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree and Cam Hayward are just going to come after you. If the quarterback knows they have a very small window to throw the football, that lets guys like Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson take some chances on the back end, go after some interceptions. We already know what Minka Fitzpatrick can do, you know, one year with Pittsburgh, and he's considered one of the best safeties in the NFL. I think they're going to cut him loose, give him more opportunities to go after the football. Um, and now they're going to actually have some offense that's not going to force them back on the field every four plays. You know, the, the defense was remarkable considering how many three and outs the Pittsburgh offense gave them. Um, last season, how many times those guys barely got to the sidelines and the putting team was out and they had to turn around and get right back on the field again. So I think they're going to enjoy being a little more rested. Um, and that's just going to, that's going to allow them to rotate pass rushers and, and really just make things hard on, on other offenses. Speaking, uh, Kurt, of keeping the defense off the field a little bit, James Conner, you wrote about him a little bit on, on your website. Um, you know, just in terms of him having a, the opportunity to have a breakout year, I know Leonard Fournette just hit the market and he seems yeah. like he would fit so well in the Steelers system. But you said, you know, not so fast. Don't even don't expect Fournette to be coming to Pittsburgh. So that must be no. that must be, uh, you know, a good sign for what how they feel about James Conner. Tell me tell me a little bit about him. Absolutely. I think as long as James Conner's healthy, and I will admit he has struggled to stay healthy during his career, um, I think Tomlin has the utmost confidence in making him the feature back. I think what we've seen this offseason, similar to what we've seen over the last three offseasons, is, is Mike Tomlin wants his running backs kind of leaned out a little faster. Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell came in. His big transformation was between year one and year two when he dropped weight. James Conner came in. His transformation came after he dropped weight between year one and year two. That second year, he rushed for, you know, he had 1,300 total yards and 13 touchdowns. Uh, now, what have we seen this year? We've seen Benny Snell come in and drop about 14 pounds. And basically, I'm actually working on a piece right now where you could look at Snell and Conner right now. Physically, they're practically the same guy. And so I think that what, what the Steelers are looking at is, is they have a sort of a mold of what they expect from their running backs. And part of that has to do with catching the football. Um, and I think that they're wanting Snell to sort of, sort of match that just in case Connor goes down again, because that's always a possibility. But I think the, the, the biggest thing about James Connor is, is there are so many weapons on the Steelers offense. He's going to get lost in the shuffle a lot by opposing defenses. And I can, I can really see that benefiting him. The, the biggest thing for him is he just has to stay on the field. I don't, I don't doubt his ability to be productive, and he has all the reason to be productive this year considering he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. 
um, whether it's with Pittsburgh or with somebody else, you know, he's playing for his next contract. And so you expect him to be healthy, you expect him to be in good shape. But if he goes down week seven or eight again, like he did last year, um, I don't think the run game's gonna gonna miss much with Benny Snell in there in his place because they are so similar. But that was why I really didn't give the Fournette deal. You know, uh, the Steelers fans, every every player that gets released, they think the Steelers should sign him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And after a while, you're just it's just too much. And I just don't think that Mike Tomlin's offensive philosophy really fits that big bruising back anymore. I don't think we're going to see another Jerome Bettis, you know, rushing for, running for the Steelers anytime soon. He, he wants his guys leaner. He wants them quicker. Um, they drafted Anthony McFarlane out of Maryland. He's a real shifty, fast guy. Um, we've seen Jalen Samuels, who's the team's three, number three back last year, kind of a big, bulky guy. He's kind of got lost in the shuffle last year because he just didn't have that explosion that, that I think they want. So I expect, I expect James Conner to have a great year as long as he doesn't get hurt. Um, but until he can show me he can go a whole year without getting hurt, I'm not going to assume it's going to happen. I love it. We're going to get into Big Ben a little bit more here coming up here on the Steelers Wire podcast. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football do's and don'ts entering the final drafting weekend of 2020. Players I really like. Kyler Murray, quarterback, Arizona Cardinals. He's going in the sixth round on average as the fifth overall quarterback chosen. You can wait a little bit from the Lamar Jacksons and Patrick Mahomes of the world and still get very similar value. Running back Raheem Mostert had his contract squabble settled in the offseason, and he's ready to rock and roll in one of the best running back systems in football. Invest as an RB2 and consider him a steal if you get him as a third. Brandon Cooks is a well-traveled wide receiver who has shown he can produce immediately everywhere he goes. He heads to the Houston Texans to help replace DeAndre Hopkins as a group of wide receivers trying to come together, catching passes from the hand of Deshaun Watson. Another wide receiver I really like is Deontay Johnson of the Pittsburgh Steelers. The second-year receiver was able to make some noise as a rookie in 2019 with a hodgepodge of quarterbacks. Big Ben is back on the field, healthy, ready to go. Johnson's going to have a superb year. And tight end Rob Gronkowski. He doesn't come without risk, but he's healthy. He had the year off to get his body right, and he's the only player on this roster we can confidently say Tom Brady trusts explicitly. On the other side of the coin, Arizona Cardinals running back Kenyon Drake is going right around the end of the first round, early second round, and he's making fantasy owners invest a killing off of basically four or five games. There's just way too much risk involved there when you can find a safer player with as much upside a little bit later on. David Johnson is another running back now with the Houston Texans. The loss of Phillip Rivers at quarterback means Terod Taylor's the starter. I have zero confidence in his ability to consistently deliver a ball to Keenan Allen to keep him returning round five investment. For more fantasy football tips and advice, check out thehuddle.com, part of the USA Today Sports Network. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be right there in the mix, and I expect them to win the division. They were 8-5 and five last year. 8-5 and five with you playing quarterback, Greeny, and they lost their last three. They now have a Hall of Famer and a healthy Ben Roethlisberger back. This team can win this division. Tannenbaum? Well, in all due respect, and I appreciate you coming on here, Dan, let's just start with... Ben Roethlisberger, it's human nature. He's 38 years old. He's played two meaningful games in two years. That is a lifetime in pro football. 
That's Dan Orlovsky and Mike Tannenbaum arguing over Ben Roethlisberger on ESPN's The Get Up Show. Uh, Kurt, we, we talked a little bit about this right in the opening, but you know where is Big Ben at uh, health-wise? And do you agree with Orlovsky that he's got one of those like carry the offense on my back kind of seasons in him right now? I, you know, I, when I first heard that, I thought it was pretty funny. I, I always got to take it with a grain of salt when you consider that Tannenbaum was the guy who drafted Mark Sanchez. Seriously, when it comes to analyzing quarterbacks, so right. we'll just we'll just put a pin in his opinion for that. But 100%. Um, I, you know, I don't expect I don't expect the Steelers to put the offense on Big Ben's shoulders. I know, you know, the joke in Pittsburgh is is that Randy Feekner's the offensive coordinator, but. Roethlisberger runs the offense. So he just sort of gives him free reign. I think everybody recognized that that Big Ben's not as young as he used to be. He looks like he's in about as good a shape as he's ever been in. But I I don't look for you know the 2018. I don't expect them to come out and lead the league in pass attempts and and have him lead the league in passing yards. I, I think he's going to be more of a role player. I, I, I don't think he's a game manager by any means. I think he's still the guy that when you need a play, he can break the pocket and he can look like he's going about a mile an hour and still figure out a way to get away from somebody and, and make a throw that you don't expect him to throw. Um, but when you consider how many good throws he's made over the years, big throws he's made over the years, um, I, I, I don't expect a big drop off from him. I think statistically we might not see a huge season, but he's got a lot of weapons around him and and he's gonna have his opportunities. I I fully believe I know I know that Tannenbaum went on in that to say that Roethlisberger might be the fourth best quarterback in the AFC North this year. And I think that's just ridiculous. I, I I'm fine conceding that Lamar Jackson's the best quarterback in the AFC North, but until I see Baker Mayfield or Joe Burrow actually do something in the NFL, Joe Burrow, you're not going to take a first ballot Hall of Famer and 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 you know give him that level of disrespect. If, if Ben gets hurt again, he typically follows up seasons where he's injured with with good seasons, 15, 16 starts. Um, I expect that to happen again this year. His offensive line's coming back. Some changes there that could be the the one thing that maybe impacts this a little bit going to be a, at least one new starter on the offensive line, um, but I don't I don't foresee any big problems. I don't look for him to be a liability on offense at all. I don't expect his age to be an issue. Now, beyond this season, who knows? It seems like with veteran quarterbacks, when the time comes and the skills start to drop, they drop in a hurry. Yep, and so. Would it shock me if after this season, you know, he spent this last year rehabbing and getting in shape and he comes out and boom, has a big 2020 season. And then after that, it's just like, boy, I don't know if I've got any more in me. That wouldn't surprise me in the least. The whole team's going to have to rebuild in 2021 because the salary cap anyway. So I could see this being his sort of sort of, you know, going away party and he pushes hard and he has a big year. And then, you know, after that, we see a big dip. But I, I don't look for it this year now. How close was uh, Big Ben Kurt to retirement? I, I know, I mean, it almost sounded like he was he was really considering that maybe a couple of years ago as he started going through these injuries or these injury plague seasons. I could say, um, do you know how close he really was? Uh, my understanding of all this, and, and obviously, I'm not privy to conversations with Roethlisberger, was that he spoke to teammates about this. He spoke to his family about this. Um, I know there was so much frustration. I mean, it, when they were losing games that they should win and he would go and face the media 
I personally think that, you know, a lot of people like to look at Roethlisberger as kind of an attention guy and likes to do things publicly for attention. And, you know, he, he likes to fall on his own sword publicly because that can sort of absolve him of responsibility when he has a bad game and that sort of thing. But I, I honestly can't imagine he was really going to retire. I think he looked at this more as, I need help, and if I make this public enough, maybe the the team will rally around me, and the ownership will will sort of set some things in motion that can help this team get better. Um, but I think he just loves playing football. I, I think that's the biggest difference with some of these guys. I could definitely see Roethlisberger end up being the guy that plays two years too long, as opposed to leaving early, and his his skills diminish, and he. He can't do it anymore, but he just doesn't want to give it up. So I've always kind of viewed him the other way around. I really didn't ever take it seriously that he would retire. Um, but I really think he was at a low when all the Antonio Brown stuff was going on and all the Le'Veon Bell stuff was going on. And here you got a guy from Finley, Ohio, that just wants to play some football and he can't, you know, got all these all pros around you and pro bowlers around you and you can't win a playoff game. And uh, it had to be terribly frustrating. Love the insight. Okay, those who enjoy sports betting, putting a wager on the game. I've got some futures bets that I'm going to run by Kurt, get his expert opinion. That's coming up. We'll be right back on the Steelers Wire podcast. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slippin' Podcast, and here's what you need to know about the season opener between the Houston Texans and Kansas City Chiefs. The Super Bowl 54 champs are favored by 9.5 points, with the over-under set at 54.5. Both numbers have already been bet down since they were first released, along with the 2020 NFL schedule in mid-May. The Texans beat the Chiefs 31-24 in a Week 6 meeting last season. Seven of the Chiefs' 12 wins in 2019 came by at least 10 points. While the Texans lost three games by at least 10 last season, one of those was in Week 17 with QB A.J. McCarron under center. I like the Texans to cover and keep it within nine, tick the under as well on a number inflated by the hype of the season opener and a tantalizing quarterback matchup between Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Check out sportsbookwire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to Bet Seven Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Kurt. The Steelers were eight and eight with Mason Rudolph running the show last year. We've already talked about how that was uh, not very good. I am. I live in New Hampshire, so sports betting is uh, is free here. I can well, not free. <laughs> sports betting is never free, but sports betting is legal, and uh, so it's I allowed. Can, I yes. can yes, yes. So I can power up my uh, app and, and get these lines. So the Steelers, first of all, to win the uh, the championship, which Orlovsky seemed to think earlier was a possibility. He thinks the Steelers can win the division, challenge for a Super Bowl. They are plus twenty five hundred to win the title, which means a one hundred dollar bet would pay out, you know, around two thousand five hundred dollars. Is that worth a flyer in your opinion? If, I think if you had an extra hundred bucks, you bet. Why not? I, I'm yeah, yeah. Why not? Because the, the Ravens are good, but that, Lamar Jackson. I mean, they're going to live and die with him this year. So we saw the Steelers can stay competitive after Ben gets hurt, but I'm not sure Baltimore can can hang on if they lose him. So yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be opposed to that bet. So the over under, and this is one of my favorites, the over under for regular season wins is at 10 and a half. 
Um, that's that's a number that the Steelers have been trying to get to the last couple of years. That's where they usually are. Um, you over or under on that number? I'm over. I've looked at their schedule pretty close. I think they're an 11 win team. I think they've shaken off the the can't beat good bad teams at home. You know they've kind of shaken that off the last couple of years. Yeah, I'd take the over there. Love it. And then for the AFC North. Ravens seem like they're a pretty big betting favorite to win the division with the Steelers number two. Um, you probably have no issue with that, right? No, not at all. I, I think that that's Baltimore's division right now. I mean, the Pittsburgh's got to prove they can beat them. They got to beat them in, in Baltimore. That's the that's what's going to make all the difference. All right, I love it. I'm Ryan O'Leary. He's Kurt Popejoy of the Steelers Wire, the managing editor there. We'll be back next week to talk Steelers Giants which I believe, Kurt, is being played in New York yes. with no fans. So that'll that'll be an interesting conversation to start having. Yeah, but, uh, Monday night football with no fans. Oh, oh it's about? a Monday nighter, Monday nighter. So, uh, hey, thanks for joining me. Uh, I really, uh, really had a great time talking to you. And uh, thanks to everybody out there for hanging with us on the Steelers Wire podcast. This USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle podcast inside the weekly line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren and the Bet Slippin' podcast. We'll see you again next week.